Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after loss. On today's show, we'll talk about the reality of inherited grief, grief that gets passed on to us from history, society, and our families. Also on the show, I'll answer a listener question about the grief of lost soulmate love, and I'll talk about a deceptive yet dangerous practice called spiritual bypassing. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide who gives people the tools, space, and support to come back to life after loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to equip others with the knowledge to heal and remind them that they are not alone, because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coming Back. Oh, I know it may not be morning where you are, but it's definitely morning here, and I just absolutely love the phrase good morning anyway. So good morning and welcome, and let's jump into today's show. I just wanted to start off by saying it's been so, so good to see all of you show up to support this show online. In the past week or so, I've had three new grief growers join my private Facebook group, The Grief Growers Garden. I've gotten two absolutely amazing and lovely reviews for the show on iTunes. And the download numbers for the show have doubled what they were in May of this year. So I am so, so stoked to see all of you taking a real interest in the stories and the resources and the ideas and the quotes and and just the phrases and, and thoughts and beliefs that we share here on Coming Back. And I just wanted to say thank you for continuing to support this hard work of mine. You are seriously incredible. Thank you. Uh, today's show, the lineup I have for you is weirdly but not so weirdly interconnected. Um, it's going to be more spiritually leaning than the past couple of episodes I've done, which really speaks to the intuitive part of my title, which is Intuitive Grief Guide. So at the beginning of the show and the opener today, I'm going to talk to you about the dangers of a practice called spiritual bypassing and how that's related to grief. For our listener question today, I'm going to talk about the hidden heartbreak of soulmate love across lifetimes. And I'll do a little bit of backstory uh, on, on lifetimes and the definition of a soulmate. And for the meat, the heart of the episode, I really want to talk to you about a spiritual belief called inherited grief or ancestral grief. The idea that we carry the griefs of past generations and the world around us with us every day. And I am so excited to just lay out this spiritual buffet for you today. It's it's something I love talking about. It's something that's very new for me, but I absolutely love um, relating grief to all of these spiritual concepts. So I hope you enjoy. So I first came across the concept of spiritual bypassing while listening to another podcast. It's called The Jen Mavro Show. And the host, Jen, who is also an intuitive, was talking to author Danielle Laporte, who is also an intuitive, about how crappy it is to use all of the awesome, wonderful, harmonious ideas that spirituality provides us with to cover up the fact that we're angry or sad or upset or that something big is happening in our lives. Spiritual bypassing, which is a term that was originally coined in the 80s by John Wellwood, is basically 
quote unquote, forgetting to feel the bullshit and jumping straight to everybody's got their karma. It's all a part of the plan. Everything happens to a reason. Think good thoughts. The difference between spiritual bypassing and just plain old denial or dismissal of feelings is that spiritual bypassing literally substitutes quote unquote good ideas and feelings for quote unquote bad ones. So on the outside, it doesn't even seem like we're running from our pain and our grief. It seems like we're embracing it. Spiritual bypassing, from what I understand and what I can feel about it, is a tricky concept because not only are we encouraged to stifle grief by society and by the people around us, we're encouraged by our religions, our beliefs, our spiritualities to rush right into forgiveness, to rush right into incorporating our losses into our lives, to rushing right into making our grief and our pain and our getting screwed over by life work for us and our picture of ourselves. And if we're not making it work for us, we're attracting negativity or wallowing in self-pity or bringing down the good vibrations. Spiritual bypassing is literally us ignoring the fact that we need those vital moments to say, hey, that really hurts, or hey, that's not fair, or hey, I don't feel safe anymore. And instead, using these overly positive, quote unquote, fluffy, I love this word, fluffy, spiritual teachings to detach from our pain. Robert Augustus Masters, the author of the leading book on spiritual bypassing called Spiritual Bypassing, actually has a line on his website that says, spiritual bypassing, avoidance in holy drag. Oh my goodness. Talk about some shade being thrown at our absolute highest spiritual beliefs. In her interview with Jen Mavros, Danielle Laporte says flat out, You can't just steamroller over your pain. And I could not agree more. And I am guilty of this. I am so guilty of this. Us folks in the quote-unquote spiritual or enlightened or woke slash awake communities take this innate pride in our ability to see life zoomed out, to see our entire story as stitched together by the universe, to notice remember and appreciate the fact that we've been here before and are learning valuable lessons just by living out our lives here on earth. But believing in these spiritual truths cannot, cannot, cannot keep us from feeling what I have affectionately dubbed the divine dichotomy of grief. That grief is both our darkest experience and our greatest tool for personal transformation. Spiritual bypassing is guilty of enticing us with the growth experience, with the joy and the new life elements of it, but we must, 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 must honor whatever in us is dying first. And that involves feeling the whole human experience of breaking in half of crying, of wailing, of that's not fair, of stamping our feet, of screaming at the top of our lungs, at the hand that we have been dealt. To do anything else would be a horrible injustice to our spiritual path and to our spirits themselves. So how do we turn off the act of spiritual bypassing? We turn on the awareness of the darkness within us. 
we turn off the light. In Robert Augustus Masters' words, we engage in a significant depth of psycho-emotional work. We go to therapy. We find a support group. We don't forgive people until we're good and ready to. We give up the picture of ourselves as nice, kind, and enlightened, and instead take on this new divine dichotomy picture of nice and cruel, kind and victim, enlightened and deeply struggling. We cannot erase our pain. We cannot spiritually bypass it by just chalking it all up to, oh, it's all in the plan. In Brene Brown's words, which I absolutely love her books and her work, she says, you can't skip day two. We can't skip the work. We can't skip the darkness. We can't skip the death. We have to give it its place in our lives, its seat at the table. We deserve that. Are you engaging in spiritual bypassing? What spiritual phrases or beliefs do you hold that have prevented you from grieving? I would love to hear from you. So leave a voicemail for the show at 312-725-3043 or email me, shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. I've got more spiritual stuff heading your way on this episode. So up next, I'll answer a listener question about soulmate love and grief for past lives. Hey there, Shelby. I was sitting on a rooftop in Baltimore with my friend this weekend, and we got on the subject of grief. We were having a moment and checking in with our feelings, and I found out that he had the same questions about grief that I did. I tried scanning some of the grief sources that you share on your Facebook page to find the answer, but nothing seemed to fit. I'm taking this as a sign from the universe to dip into some confidence and ask. Here's my question. What would you call it when you can sense that you've already grieved for someone in a past life, and you already accept that you can't be with them in this life? What is the name for the feeling you have that you can't explain that compels you to want to see their life play out and be happy without being committed to you? When the beginning of your relationship starts with already accepting the end, a grief story in reverse. With all of my soulmates, I carry grief in the background, a small part of me longing to know more about the life where we fit together. But regardless of that sense of loss, we choose to be independent of each other in this life and it makes us genuinely happy. When my friend and I were debating all of this, we decided it's not the grief you get from a breakup, because there's no sense of finality, and it's not rooted in any negative history or energy. We're not grieving the loss of a relationship that we built together because we're actively choosing to build something else in this life. But there is this sense of loss we can't explain, and we were just really bugged by trying to figure out how to articulate it. Thanks so much for your help, Alum. Hi, Alum. What a cool, cool question. Thank you. I love how thought out this is and how you've already compared this undetermined grief to other griefs you know already, like breaking up or losing a friendship. I actually have never heard of this kind of grief before, but I have experienced it in my own way. And because of that, I think I might have an answer for you. 
Um, Let me break my interpretation of the situation down, though, for any listeners who may not have worked with the idea of soulmates or past life beliefs before. So, in many schools of thought, remember we're keeping on the spiritual train today, there's a belief that we have all been here before. It's kind of like reincarnation where our souls have visited the planet we call Earth multiple times before and have lived countless lives. And the point of us living all these lives is not to get more money or figure out how to climb the ladder or find the one true match for us. It's to learn lessons about life and love and God slash the universe so we can remind ourselves of the wholeness and beauty that we come from, the fact that we are never truly separate from the divine. We experience different talents and gifts each lifetime, different social and political circumstances, and different family dynamics. So within these spiritual circles and schools of thought, there are teachings about soulmates, and they believe, and I believe, and it sounds like our writer Alam definitely believes that we have more than one soulmate. So soulmates are not the hallmark channel, everybody gets one once in a lifetime thing. Soulmates are people we have spent past lives with and really ignite our spirits and help us grow by their presence. We are often in very, very deep love with them the instant we meet them, or we recognize them on this deeper level than just knowing them in this life. If you've ever had a friendship or a romantic relationship with someone who you feel like has known you forever, they are probably a soulmate to you, as in you have spent previous lifetimes together on this earth. And soulmates are not limited to romantic partnerships, contrary to what Hallmark and Lifetime will tell you. They can be siblings, friends, parents, aunts, uncles, teachers, co-workers, or absolute total strangers. Who was your brother in one lifetime on this earth can show up as your best friend, or your study buddy, or your romantic partner, or your teacher in another. No matter what their relationship is to you, It's generally defined as a soulmate relationship by that instant click of knowing, the bond of having had a history before, whether you can recognize it consciously or not. So Alam's question is, what is the grief that's felt by meeting soulmates in this lifetime, knowing you've been with them before in previous lifetimes, and not being able to be physically with them in this lifetime? What if I've met someone I know was my father or my wife or my best friend or my younger brother in a previous lifetime, and I love them with all of my heart and everything in me, and for whatever reason, we cannot and we are choosing to not be together in this lifetime? What if we're both happily married to other people, other soulmates? What if they're in another state or another country? What if we're in totally different phases of life? What if we both know we're soulmates to each other, but have truthfully, honestly, and willingly opted to remain separate from each other in this lifetime? My dear Alam, I love this question. And I think that what you and your friend were talking about on that rooftop in Baltimore, the pain that you were feeling at a soul level, is the grief of disconnection. The pain and heartbreak you're feeling is the soul's felt limitation of having a physical body and living on a physical plane here on the earth. Your soul knows, and I imagine your soulmate's soul knows too, that our soul's truth, our divine origin, is 
infinite and whole and connected. We are never separate from anyone or anything. So the grief of disconnection comes when we have to face the reality here on earth that for whatever reason, our divine, whole, infinite self has chosen to make itself smaller, to fragment itself into these tiny little pieces in order to live and to learn lessons on the earth. It's the grief of disconnection to know that you've lived past lives with and intensely, fully, truly loving hundreds of people walking the earth right now at this very moment, and yet you only get to interact with four or five or ten of them in this lifetime. It's the distress and the sadness of having to choose what your life path and your partners will be for you in this lifetime while simultaneously holding the knowledge that you are never truly separate from anyone or anything. It just feels that way. And it is a grief story in reverse. I absolutely love that phrase from you. It's the most heartbreaking moment of a chick flick without all of the buildup. You've met your soulmate. You know they're your soulmate. They know that you're their soulmate. You both love each other as much as life itself, and yet something about one or both of your chosen life paths makes it so you can't be together this go-around. It doesn't mean you won't be happy with the lives that you create. It doesn't mean that your lives are somehow unfulfilled or, or empty without each other. It doesn't mean that you failed at your mission here on Earth. It just means that you are both making the active, conscious choice to be apart in this lifetime. The grief of disconnection. We don't choose who we love. We can't. We simply love them. But we can't always be together in the ways that we want to in the physical world, in the ways that we quote-unquote should be. Of course, you're going to wonder about your history together. Of course, you're going to dream about what the future could have held for you had you chosen to include them in your story. Of course, they're still going to keep their soulmate status in your heart and your mind. You just won't be with them as wholly and fully as you'd like to be in this lifetime, and that is definitely grief. The sadness of separation, the joy at watching them create a life they love while you create a life you love all at the same time, the anger at whatever circumstances or situations are dividing you, and the relief at knowing that your time apart won't be very long in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that jumbled feeling of emotions, that jumbled ball of emotions, this is all grief. The grief of disconnection. Yes to a life before. Yes to a life after. But not this lifetime. Not now. Not this time. Share this with your friend, Alam. I am so curious to know what he thinks of this response to this question you're both pondering. Am I close? Am I getting warmer? And thank you so much again for your question. You have given all of us so much to think about in this episode. If you've felt the grief of disconnection in this lifetime, whether it's with a romantic partner, a family member, or a friend, leave a voicemail for the show at 312 725-3043 or email shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts. 
You can also ask your own question to be featured on the show, again by leaving a voicemail at 312-725-3043 or by emailing shelby at shelbyforsythia.com, and you can find both of these contacts in the show notes always. Next up, I'll talk about the concept of inherited grief and what our past pain can tell us about our present. All right, everybody. Ready to jump into another spiritual segment? (laughs) All right. I want you to think back to your childhood, your growing up story. What stories did your family tell you? What were their pain points? What did you know to be true about them? Was your dad abused as a kid or raised by parents that just weren't so nice? Was your mom fifth out of eight siblings so she never got thrown a proper birthday party? Was your grandfather driven into a career he never wanted just to support his family? Was your grandmother sexually assaulted? How about your aunts and uncles or other relatives? Did they lose children? Jobs? Military status? Physical ability? Did they file for bankruptcy? Have their house repossessed? Were they the victims of a national disaster or of a home invasion? Did they always, always want a girl but ended up with a house full of boys? Did they lose a friend to a horrible tragedy? Did they have a mental illness that went unchecked? Were they addicted to sex, drugs, or alcohol? Were they bullied? Or did they bully someone else? What kind of life was your family dealt? What were their struggles growing up? What did they clue you in on as you were growing up? What did you learn about as you got older? Who told you? What is your family bitter or secretive or judgmental about? What rules did they make for you or your siblings or the rest of your family because of something that happened to them? What did you sense was broken, missing, or difficult in their lives? The griefs they shared with you, the grief of their lives, is the grief you inherit as a member of their family. It's not a choice that you get to make. As a matter of fact, their grief is just part of the hand that you're dealt in this lifetime. It's called inherited grief, and it's what I really want to delve into in our in-depth topic today. Inherited grief can come to us from any family member. It can come at us from the person who actually experienced the loss or in the form of stories that are handed down from generation to generation. So you can be feeling or facing your dad's grief, or you can be feeling or facing the grief he's telling you about from your great, 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 great grandfather years back. And guess what? Because he's still telling you about it, he's still feeling it. Wild, right? And now you feel it too. His grief becomes your grief, and this chain of inherited grief through time continues. So, is inherited grief a good thing or a bad thing? Should we be running towards it or away from it? And what the heck are we supposed to do with it? 
Well, mm, that's really hard to say. Because inherited grief is a teacher of sorts. It tells us about our family history, the things that have hurt us or wounded us or divided us, and that information helps us make wiser, better, more informed decisions about our lives in the future. But inherited grief also carries with it pain and stigma and shame and blame and guilt and secrecy and being exploited for dark motives. It informs us in different ways, in ways that can cause us to avoid our pain or scramble to pin it on somebody else or try to busy away our lives to make up for the fact that we've experienced this grief at all. There's this beautiful blog post that I love by Ingrid Kincaid that says, humans are a species that energetically lives with post-traumatic stress disorder. We may not even realize our wounds that we're carrying our family's past and our family's grief with us every day, but our souls and our spirits know those energetic cords of grief are deep and strong and they affect how we live day to day. They, they change our lens of the world. They change our experience of the world. Have you ever noticed that families carry certain patterns or habits or repeated griefs with them? Yeah. That is the energy of inherited grief being passed on. And you don't have to believe in energy or past lives to witness or experience inherited grief. All you have to recognize is that shitty stuff happens to all of us, and it's been happening for years and years and years and years, and that shitty stuff shapes our moral values, our family values, our beliefs, and our mindsets. Everything that is true about your family right now is true because of the experiences, both positive and negative, that your family has carried through the years. And now you carry it too because you are a part of your family, whether you like it or not. Just like DNA, when you're born, you inherit the code that your family has lived by for thousands of years. There is no way to escape inherited grief. And I want to, I want to widen my lens on this because I know, um, Grief work and psychology and things like that have a tendency to blame everything on childhood, on family, uh, and, and the environment that you were born into. But, um, inherited grief can come to us from beyond our families as well. We inherit grief from society and from history too. Years and years of slavery and war and power struggles and, rebellion and famine and disease and disaster and separation and assimilation and exploitation and servitude and oppression. Anytime that these things have occurred throughout history, even if no one in your immediate lineage has experienced them, you inherit the grief of these experiences because your spirit and your soul or the spirits and the souls of the other people in your life, your ancestors have witnessed them. They have been alive to see it for lack of a better term. And that has an effect on people, whether or not they express it externally or not. So to give you some examples, inherited grief is the outcry of the feminist movement, a worldwide tribe of women and their counterparts mourning the rape and abuse and silencing they have faced since the patriarchy came to power. 
Inherited grief is the testimonies of the Jewish community, a group that still fights to this day to prove that the annihilation of their safety in this world, on multiple occasions, actually happened. Inherited grief is the rampant alcoholism in the Native American community, a people still mourning the loss of their cultures and beliefs and their lands as gentrification reminds them every day of what is gone. Inherited grief is the continued demonstrations of the Black Lives Matter movement, a group not only mourning the lives that they've lost in this lifetime within the last decade, but the hundreds of years of systemic oppression and racism that they've faced. Inherited grief is the worldwide pride parades held by the LGBT community, an international family who has struggled and fought and died to be able to love who they love and be who they are out in the open. Inherited grief is the momentum behind the successful election of Donald Trump by a party so devastated by the state of the world today, they took action they knew how to take on the promise that the lives that they once knew could be restored again. Why are we still talking about the things that we lost? Why does grief get inherited? Because these griefs have not yet been heard. I'll say it again. Why are we still talking about the things that we lost? Why are we still protesting and marching and drinking and testifying and storytelling and shooting up and writing novels and taking pills and imposing curfews and bombing others and making art and racking up debt and blaming others and screaming at the top of our lungs? Because we have not yet been heard. That's the thing about inherited grief, and that's really what I want to get at and talk about today. Inherited grief gets passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down until it is heard, until it's acknowledged for the pain and the heartbreak and the anguish. It exists in your soul and your spirit until it is heard and released. My lovely grief growers, we think we are so far from or separate from these events of the past. We think that because they happened years or decades or centuries ago that they can't touch us, that time, chronological time separates us, that time has somehow healed all of the hurt and the grief that we've experienced. We think that the only things we've lost through history are lives but we've also lost beliefs, truths, ways of being, traditions, and dreams. In the realm of the spiritual, time is not linear. Time does not even exist. Past, present, and future exist all at once. So if we carried it, if we carried grief a hundred years ago, chances are we're still carrying it in our family today. Inherited grief is the industrial revolution. Your creativity is not worth anything unless it's productive. Inherited grief is colonization. 
Your feelings and natural truths are not real. Don't believe them. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Inherited grief is war and torture and battle. Don't let the enemy see your weaknesses. You must fight to get what you want. Inherited grief is the Middle Ages. If you don't think our way, you are not one of us. Inherited grief is 9-11. You are not safe in this world. These are the stories of our ancestors and our families. The mentalities that we live by. The griefs that consciously and unconsciously rule our lives. I told you I was going to get real deep and spiritual with you today. (laughs) Are you having fun? I just want to say here, I am so proud of you for listening this far. Acknowledging inherited grief is such a big task and can be really, really mind-blowing at first. So take a breath here. Let's just pause for a second. Yeah. Inherited grief is so important in our coming back, especially if the loss we experienced opens the door to seeing a larger pattern of grief and grief beliefs. Thank you for coming on this journey with me today. So going back to inherited grief, what the hell are we supposed to do with it? I've brought you down. I've shown you around. Now I'm going to tell you how to bring it back up. So first, we must recognize and acknowledge our inherited grief story. What mindsets, beliefs, mentalities do you hold that you did not create for yourself? Chances are you have a lot of them. Because we operate by other people's sets of rules until we discover that we can create our own. And what pain are you carrying that's not from your personal experience in this lifetime? What did your parents or your grandparents teach you that you're still operating by? What has society or history taught you? Just see it there. See that grief there. Recognize that it exists. Write it down or say it out loud if it helps you. I'm still in the process. I'll use this as as an example throughout. I'm still in the process of working a story from my way, 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 way back Native American history, a story I heard about one of my ancestors who was the son of the chief and head architect for his tribe. The lesson I learned from that life was, if your work is not productive or useful, it will be destroyed. It is worthless. It seemed like such a small moment in this man's life, having his scale model of a new plan for the village trampled by no-nonsense tribal elders who had better things to do. This man, one of my ancestors, was just tinkering in what he loved. He was engaging in the act of play. And instead of being rewarded or even just overlooked for the fact that he was playing, that he was creating, he was punished for creating and for playing without a purpose. Talk about a rooted story, especially in the world today that so values busyness and production 
over expressive, quote-unquote, pointless play. Yeah, I am still unlearning this story for myself, this grief story that I have inherited. And the first step in unlearning a grief story is acknowledging that it did happen. Your story could be like mine, but it could also be about your safety as a woman in this world, your duty and obligation as a man, your membership of a certain race or class or community, your place as the oldest or youngest sibling, the success or failure or stability of your romantic relationships, your mental health or sanity, your service to your country, your loyalty to your work or your family or your art, your inherited grief could be about anything. What have your ancestors loved and lost? Acknowledge those patterns. See those griefs. The second part of this is to feel into the story. This is the day two that I was talking about from the intro. This is the act of turning the lights off, feeling into the darkness. And how this looks will depend widely on your spiritual practice, but to give you a visual, this is very much like acknowledging a friend or a family member's grief who's sitting right across from you in real life. So for me, I'll call in the energy of my ancestor into my space. I'll sit with their story again. And I'll empathize and relate to the best of my ability with the information that I've been given. So calling this man into my space. Hearing his story. Really? My God, that's awful. To destroy a piece of art you were making just for fun. I am so sorry that that happened to you. It seems so, so pointless and unnecessary and cruel, and yet it sounds like it changed how you felt about your creativity and your work forever. You know, I had a similar experience when I was taking the school bus home when I was five. I had made this paper windsock that I was taking home from art class to show my mom, and this big fifth-grade bully marched right up to my seat on the bus and ripped it clean in two. I got off the bus in tears that day because I couldn't understand why anybody would do that. It was my art, and I had made it, and it just seemed so unfair. I learned on that day, and probably from carrying your story too, that if I'm going to create something, it better be through productive or useful outlets. And I also learned that I couldn't safely display my art or my creativity in public without the possibility of it being destroyed. God, that's amazing, isn't it? That just small moments like that, such small moments, have shifted how we feel about our creativity and our art and being able to play. I am really sorry that that happened to both of us. Thank you for telling me your story. It's really a privilege to know this about your life. Here I'll tell you that I always like to emphasize a thank you at the end of this communication because that really acknowledges that you've heard and you've seen their story. And you can do this in your head, you can do this 
written down, you can do this out loud. But you were saying, I am accepting the transmission of your grief, pain and heartache received, heard, acknowledged. The last thing you want to do in addressing inherited grief is to look at how their story, how this inherited grief is serving you. Does it fit into your life now? What lessons do you want to take? What lessons do you want to release? Another podcast I really like called Wild and Holy did an interview with Rob Bell this past Monday, and he was talking about history and past traditions. He said, maturity is not discarding everything in our pasts. It's going back through the past and deciding systematically what we need to keep and what we need to discard. I think a true sign of spiritual maturity with inherited grief is not just shrugging off the grief our families have experienced once we've acknowledged it, not just leaving it there in a big pile. It's really going back through their stories and determining what works for us, what lessons are at the heart of their grief. What's important to remember? What are they really trying to teach us beyond the pain? For my story with this male Native American ancestor, it's looking more and more like the idea of create despite. Play and create despite what no-nonsense elders think of you or your work, despite the bullies. Maybe set up a physical or mental sanctuary, though, where creativity and play is safe and protected and loved and honored for the expression that it is. Whatever you're working on doesn't have to be useful to be important. And it is human nature to want to play. For you, these lessons that you take with might look like trust the men in your life. But be aware of the signs of men who still believe in the traditions of the old days. Protect and shelter your children from harm, but let them see you cry. Pick up your weapons and fight for something you believe in, but know that your personal values are just as important as the values of the country you're fighting for. You may lose the children, the babies you're trying for, but don't let that keep you from trying. It's okay to hold on to dreams, but know that your dreams are always subject to change. Set up your life for security and stability, but know that the joy of loving always contains the possibility of heartbreak. Don't close off your heart because of grief. Wow, 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 wow. Grief growers, how many of these ring true for you? What Are your ancestors telling you what ancestral or inherited grief stories are you itching to get working on now? What patterns and beliefs construct your life that you have yet to question, but you know are rooted somewhere back there in the past? How many of those patterns and beliefs go back before you can remember? Probably a lot more than you think. I'll put in a disclaimer here and say be careful in this exercise not to totally dismiss the grief and the pain of your relatives. Be sure you do day two. The darkness, turning off the lights, 
really having a conversation with them in their pain. Be sure in this exercise to acknowledge, feel, and incorporate. All three steps. It is the absolute best honor we can offer someone and their stories and their lives. If you don't feel connected to your ancestors or haven't yet picked up on inherited grief stories from your family, uh, I've got a little bit of homework for you. I encourage you to start listening in. Conversations on inherited grief can start as easily as when I was your age, dot, 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 or more subtly as, well, that's just not how we do things in our family. Try for a week in your home environment, whatever that may be, and see what stories reveal themselves to you. What is your family carrying? And after you find out what you're carrying, what can you see and hear in those things you're carrying? What conversations can you have with relatives alive or from previous lives? What can you allow yourself to set down? What can you choose to release? I say on this podcast all the time that even through grief, we are growing, and so much of our growth is about knowing ourselves better, waking up to the stories and the ideas and the griefs that have shaped us so we can actively decide if we want to change our stories. So go deep with me this week. Get a little more spiritual and fluffy and woo-woo than you usually do. Zoom out of your life for a moment and climb one or two branches of your family tree. Notice the unexpressed inherited grief in the world around you, beyond your family. Recognize and say hello to the fact that we have all lost something. And we carry those losses with us every day, whether we like it or not. I would love to know what inherited griefs you discovered. So please, please, please leave me a voicemail at 312-725-3043 or by emailing shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. If you're struggling to make sense of a grief story that's happening in your family, use both of those contact uh, pieces of information. Maybe I can help you a little bit. Thank you so much again for coming on this journey with me today, grief growers. I so appreciate your listening, and I am so glad that your energy is a part of my story. So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. I hope you enjoyed the spiritual leanings that this episode provided, and I'm so grateful to uh, our listener who asked a question, the universe, and the other podcasts that I'm listening to for just inspiring me to knit the show together in this way. This was definitely a fun one to create. Please rate, review, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Our audience is growing every single day, and having your voice out there, your reviews out there, your membership in the private Facebook group, The Grief Growers Garden, just having you out there as a energetic thumbs up to the work that I'm doing is such a beautiful way to keep the conversation on grief going with me, but also with 
with everybody else in your sphere who's experiencing loss right now. Send them this way in whatever way that you can, whatever way feels right to you. I trust that you'll know how. Thank you always, always, always to the amazing, talented Addie Goldstein for composing our music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Grief Guide Shelby Forsythia, or simply ShelbyForsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment for a future show, I know I mentioned this in every segment today, you can definitely leave a voicemail at 312-725-3043 or email me, shelby at shelbyforsythia.com, subject line, podcast. As always, always, and especially today, it was so beautiful sharing this space and time with you. I see you. I am proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world. And I love you. Because even through grief, we are growing.